Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I'm Bonnie, and I'm joined by Katie, Leah, Eden, and Claire talking about our one cool suffrage thing. Eden already talked about Francis Harper, and Claire already talked about the Statue of Liberty protest and Matilda Jocelyn Gage. But before we dive back in, let's get to know something random about our gal pals. I want to know, do you vote regularly? <laughs> I was excited that you asked this, Bonnie, because I actually got an, a letter in the mail a couple years ago saying that I was an above average voter and it felt like an adult report card. I was like, oh, like, it? I've never gotten one of those. Look at you, good job. Did it come with a gold star that like, you know, you put? Oh my gosh. Or at least an I voted sticker. Like I could an wear extra? it on a special yeah. day of choosing. That was an election day. I voted above averagely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> above averagely. I like it. Okay, and that's our next. That's our next sticker for I, gals. I'm, I'll write it down. I voted above averagely. Average there you go. <laughs> oh, I need one of those. <laughs> I will get on it. I have to write it down, otherwise I will totally forget. <laughs> oh gosh, for me. Okay, so yes, I do vote. I always feel like I forget. Uh, this is the first last couple of cycles I didn't do like primaries you know what I mean like I just did the every four years I felt like that was the important bit that is but um the more that I have learned about especially suffrage and the right to vote and especially about how the little votes like who's on the council and who runs the sheriff's department how that shit really affects my life far more than the presidency um I get my ass to the polls um, I am, I'm not a big fan of people and I'm not a big fan of lines. I love absentee voting. I'm just saying I did it for the first time. And it's like, it comes to me. I do this little piece of paper and it's like an SAT and I send it back. I really like that. So if I could vote more by mail and still have it count every time, <laughs> but yes, I vote now. Um, a lot more. Well, like you, I love voting by mail. And when I voted in the primary, I did get a little sticker that said I voted. And I thought that was really important because I'm running a campaign with the obnoxiously long hashtag where it's vote for Biden. So my friend Claire can paint his presidential portrait. So I had to vote in the primary Ah. to kick this off as well. This is true. Yes. And that's an exceptionally beautiful hashtag. (laughs) Yes, it's very long and obnoxious. I love the very specific ones. And so, of course, I vote regularly. And if you make those stickers, let me know. I want one. (laughs) There you go. Above averagely. (laughs) I do vote regularly. Um, I believe that um, enough Black people and enough women um were uh beaten up and you know if not outright killed jailed, paid the price yeah. they paid such a bloody price mm-hmm. for my ability to vote that I have always voted yeah um uh my parents my dad actually became one of those people that you see at the polls 
mm. you know, when you go to your poll and then you have to like check in and, mm. and whatever, and they tell you which, you know, ballot and all that, whatever. Um, he was a poll worker. Ah. You know? And so that's really cool. And when I had my son, who's 11 now, he's either accompanied me on all of my votes, mm -hmm. you know, times voting, or he's gone with my parents yeah. to vote. So we are a civic duty family. Mm -hmm. And I <laughs> and think I'm, the more you go, the more when you're little and you see the process, you're like, oh, this is easy. I'm just going to go do this because it's easy and it's important. So where right. if it's now, completely yeah. foreign to you, you're just like going, oh my gosh, totally. this is so important. Totally. I miss the days where you had like the lever and the curtain. Oh, yes. You know, where, where you, you, you flip the little thingies. It's like the Wizard of Oz up in there. Yes. <laughs> and then you like jump and the thing opens. I miss those days. Theatrics. <laughs> Katie, you were going to say? Uh, I totally have a story of when taking your children to the pole can go wrong. Oh, yes. Yes. Let me, let me know. Yes. What is I, it? <laughs> <laughs> I took Jonah with me to vote in the last presidential election um, and we were waiting in line and he was hiding behind me and he was acting really shy and really quiet and weird. And that's not usually him. And we got through the line. I voted. I let him press the red button, but I'm all done. Um, and then we got to the car and he's a preschooler, right? So I'm driving him to preschool. We're in the car and he goes, that, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I said, why, why were you worried? What was wrong? Because I had asked him before, but he wasn't telling me. And apparently he thought that Donald Trump was going to be at the polling place. And he is scared and horrified of Donald Trump. Fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to point to the person you're voting in person. Oh I, guess, I guess I didn't explain <laughs> voting well enough. Like it's a lineup? That's the man I don't like. <laughs> like, I, I I don't know. Maybe I need to break it down more because for a while too, he was convinced Donald Trump was going to call me on the phone about different things, and I was like, he, no, he's not. Ooh, is I that why voter turnout is bad? <laughs> People are afraid he might be there. <laughs> oh my god, that's hysterical. That that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, guys, preview the process with children. Yes. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> the more you, the more you know. That's my little rainbow right, right. there. <laughs> Bonnie, what about you, darling? Um, yeah, I went with my uh, parents. I have no idea when they, if they always took me, but at least like the few before I turned eighteen, I remember going, going with them, and even my first couple times voting, mom went with me, until uh, she found out the one year. I was maybe gonna vote for Obama. He did not want to go with me. But I believe vote. in hope. <laughs> <laughs> but did she think not going with you was like really the punishment? I don't know. Like, I don't know. It mind? was weird. <laughs> it was weird. Um, oh no. But yeah, and then um, before that, yeah, I'd always voted just the, every four years in the presidential yeah. election until. Uh, 2016 and since then I have voted in every primary <laughs> everything election, yeah everything mm -hmm. 
Yes. Yeah, it really woke us up, didn't it? And went, you know what? This shit matters. Oh, crap. <laughs> and I like to do, we're lucky here in there. Indiana, we can do um, early voting. So I yeah, usually yes. go a few days before election day and do that. Yep. Exactly. I do like the early voting as well. If I can't get it on paper. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, what is your one cool thing, Doug? My one cool thing... I've called it suffrage on the move. I like it. <laughs> are there trains? There are planes? trains. Planes, trains, and automobiles. I love it. Yes. <laughs> and I tried to put them kind of in in order of year-ish. There's some things overlap, and I have paper this time. <gasps> you have paper? Almost. Paper. I usually Every... just off my phone. She but I was does... like, no, I can't do the Zoom and the... It's gotten real, folks. <laughs> she means it this time. <laughs> so, so. She's like, how does paperwork? Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's just everything just kind of all links together and stuff. So for my first thing, it makes sense. You got to know about the next thing. It, it's, it's a mess. So, um, Alice Paul um, and her buddies were going to arrange a parade in Washington, D.C. in 1913. Sweet. Uh, a woman that they called General Rosalie Jones uh, heard about it. She lived in New York, and she decided she was going to lead a group of women to march down to Washington, D.C. on foot to join the parade. But prior to this, she had led a troop of uh, suffragists that they called pilgrims from New York City to Albany, New York. They walked on foot in order to petition the government governor for suffrage. It's 150 miles in Ooh. December. Ah. It took them 13 days. <laughs> and this mm. is like, it's, it's December in New York. Yeah. Yes. No. That's this real. is in those teeny tiny, I'm sure, not comfortable boots that they wore back then, <laughs> and dresses. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a hard pass for me. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Very yeah, she sorry. Made a, a few, few months later, she did that, that second trip from New York to Washington, D.C. This time it was 260 miles. They oh. set out on uh, February 12th. Still cold. I put 1013. No, it didn't take them 900 years. <laughs> 1913. The first day they started out with 200 people. By the end of the first day, it dropped down to 16. <laughs> They're like, I'm out. I'm out of like, It's February, y'all. <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, this would be more than a couple hours. Uh, I'm going to bail. <laughs> yeah. And just um, like that, then they, Katie bails. No, I'm just kidding. Her internet. <laughs> they had a uh, a wagon exactly. filled with um, leaflets or flyers that they would pass out to people as they walked by. They averaged uh, 20 miles a day, um, and they had like stones and ice thrown at them. Oh God! Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's insult to injury. I mean, you're already doing something that's seriously difficult. Yes how can you make it worse i know let's throw ice and stones at them mm -hmm. <laughs> wow but that was all so they could make it to the big parade uh alice paul lucy burns and the national women's party well i don't think it was the national women's party at that point okay but yeah going it was, to be it would have been the 
the association before they split off with with Cat there. Uh, they had arranged a giant parade because they wanted to do a parade. Um, they had uh, special train routes put in place so that women could come and watch the par- or join the parade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I I keep thinking about when we had the women's march and we had all the airplanes filled with the women in the pink hats. So I imagine trains right. <laughs> filled with suffragists on their way yes um so this march they had scheduled it to be on march 3rd the day before the presidential inauguration in 1913 because they wanted to make sure it was like a big audience and to kind of jab at the president there oh well that history repeated itself again didn't it (laughs) (laughs) lovely um, in February, Ida B. Wells of Chicago contacted Alice Paul about marching in the parade. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and she was a Quaker. She was, she believes that, you know, all people are equal. Mm-hmm. But some other white ladies in D.C. So that that was not acceptable. And that uh, other white women, especially from the South, would not march if uh, black women were allowed to march, even if it was segregated. So she kind of kind of dropped it. She was like, oh, it's gonna cause some issues. Oh no. Um, even though African-American had marched in the New York parades. Yeah. Is that the one where they said, it's okay as long as you're in the back of the parade? And she went, okay. And then when she saw her delegation, she just joined it. Is right. that that one? The one of the oh okay sorry something like sorry that. sorry yes. something like that. <laughs> oh <Uh-huh. laughs> But they um they expected about twenty five hundred marchers. Twice that many showed up. Nice. Um in the in that morning the delegation from Illinois decided to only allow white women to march. Uh, so Ida B. Wells just kind of disappeared for a bit. She's nowhere to be found. They had 24 horse-drawn floats, nine bands, thousands of marchers, and they were all led by Nez Milholland, a 26-year-old attorney that was deemed the most beautiful suffragist by the uh, the press. I mean, by the press, yes. (laughs) (laughs) She had a giant white horse. (laughs) She was a giant white horse. She had a little tiara that had a little star. She was supposed to be an allegory of, of something. I can't something. remember. It was like victory or progress or, or something. Sure. Because there was all kinds of those themes throughout the parade. Mm-hmm. And they were intended to, when they got to the end, they were going to do kind of like a little pageant show. But they didn't get there. <laughs> this is starting to sound like the Miss America pageant. <laughs> and I'm just something. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, they were so sashes, right? <laughs> like, yes. oh my gosh. Either, what came first? I mean, like, at this point, like, is the suffrage parade is now, let's just make that into a pageant, everybody. Let's have it be a beauty contest. We'll have we'll some have banners and some fashion. Let's have swimsuits. You know what I mean? That's what was missing in the parades before. <laughs> right. So right after, right behind Inez, there was a giant banner that said, we demand an amendment to the United States Constitution enfranchising women of this country. 
this is a time women did not make demands. Mm. So they, they were not asking mm. nicely. Them ladies they with them banners. <laughs> they marched in uh, groups by like their states, but they also marched in groups of professionals like li librarians, teachers, college graduates, nurses. Uh, about halfway through the route, Ada B. Wells just kind of snuck in there and yeah, joined the march. Um, I like it. <laughs> la 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 la, never mind me, I'm just suddenly in the parade. <laughs> there were all kinds of, I keep finding more and more women that were at that march. Uh, Helen Keller was at the march. Oh, nice. Uh, Jeanette Rankin. Oh, Ida B. Wells, Congresswoman. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking there was, there was someone else. I don't, it may have been Annie Jump Cannon. I know she oh. was a suffragist. Nice. Oh, that makes sense. She was kind of in the area. She was Har she was Harvard Computers at that time, yeah. you know, not too far I away. I keep finding more and more women that were there that were not necessarily like suffrage leaders that just, I was like, oh, they're at the parade. Yeah. Oh, neat. But yeah, they didn't get to finish their parade because mm. many men were there for the inauguration the day before they got there early. They got sure. nothing to do all day. They're drinking. They start yelling and spitting at these women. Them to go home and make them a sandwich. Wow. Uh, they were throwing objects. They were throwing their lit cigarettes, rocks, anything they could find at them. And the police were there. They pretty much did nothing. Mm, not surprised. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I see nothing. So, yeah. yeah. Woo! <laughs> so the next day they got a whole bunch of press coverage and it was kind of like how how dare the police and the government allow women to be treated in such a horrible manner kind of oh, press coverage. No. Oh no, that, so, that can't while go the well. women were not were pretty upset with how it went, they mm. were like pretty excited about the press coverage and it lasted yeah. for a long time. Okay. Cool. There you go. I was thinking that like they came back the next day and then the police are like, we're not having this. And then no, the next day okay. was the, yeah, that day um, the president was getting off the train and he expected a huge crowd of people there to greet him. And he was kind of like, where is everybody? Oh, that's sounds like, familiar. Oh, that's <laughs> uh -huh. <Okay>. History. <laughs> so that's like the big one. But, um, in New York, they had three separate parades, all organized by Harriet Stanton Blanche, which is okay. the daughter of Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Uh -huh. uh, started in 1913. The 1915 parade down Fifth Avenue had 25,000 people participating. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, and then I found that there was a march in Boston in 1915 where they took a Liberty Bell across the states. Oh, they just... They just like checked it out from the library or something. Then I'm just going to borrow this Liberty, Liberty Bell. Bell. For a bit. They and said then... it was a Liberty Bell. Oh, I don't think it was the Liberty Bell. <laughs> and I'm just like, is that why I got the crack? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so that's all the on foot. We Ooh. move to the automobile section. <gasps> automobiles. Automobiles. Sweet. So automobiles are new. Yeah. At this time. They're they're the newfangled thing. Um the the one that I had heard about before was a journey from uh California and to like New York and DC. They kind of went across country and stopped at different places. 
Um, they started at a national exhibition in San Francisco in September 16th, 1915, and left around midnight with fireworks. Ah. This is the time, yeah, new car, there's new cars, so there's no highways. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's pretty much just dirt roads, because they're used to uh, horse-drawn carriages. No gas stations. Uh, they're crossing the desert. Yeah. No gas stations. No street lights. Yeah. No, um, if your car breaks down, mechanics. There's no AAA? Yeah. What? It's crazy. It's, it's, it's a crazy time to be taking a cross-country road trip. Right. But Francis, oh goodness, I'm horrible with names. Francis Jalofi? Yeah. Uh, 42 of Washington Strait. She was a drama critic. Rode with Sarah Bartfield. 33, she was a poet from Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, were driven in a car by two Swedish women who owned the car one of which talked nonstop, causing one of the women to leave halfway. That sounds like me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the Swedish women were uh, Maria Kindberg, and she drove in, oh goodness, Einsborg. Yeah. Klinstedt was the machinist. I'm like 58% Swedish, so I so represent like that remark. <laughs> But they, like carried with them, they carried with them a petition scroll, which included over, by the end, 500,000 signatures wow. for suffrage and was 18,000 feet long. Oh my gosh. Ooh. Wow. Damn. They drove nice. over uh, 5,000 miles. Mm. How long was the trip, too? Uh, they left in... September. I don't know when they arrived. Gotcha. But I, it, months, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's... they made, I mean, just driving and they're on a good day, they got 20 miles. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, they had scheduled stops. So they stopped. And, like, yeah, exactly. Talk and... and that's how you would get all those signatures too. Cause you would come into town and, you know, you'd have mm -hmm. uh, a big assembly and then you could get a lot of signatures in one spot and then move on and Neat. Oh, I remember hearing about this, Bonnie, and they said their average speed was 25 miles an hour. And I thought, can you imagine driving from California to New York at 20, like school zone speed? Mm -hmm. No. And I, I said that to Josh here, and he's like, well, it's a lot faster than a horse. And I was like, I guess compared to what they're used to, but just for me, I'm like, Oh, no. Did you tell him that it also had a talkative Swede? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be out. He'd be, He'd be back to the horse and buggy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> be like, what kind of loud transportation you got? <laughs> Great. Uh, Neil Richardson and Alice Burke uh, also took a road trip with their cat Saxon yes. on a five-month five month road trip uh, for suffrage in 1916. Ooh. Oh, they're kitty. Look I didn't see any pictures kitty. of the cat. Jellyfish is a relative of yours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so our... <laughs> yes. Our uh, lady, Rosalie Jones, the one that led the foot march, Yeah. also did a plane trip. Oh. Uh, she, um, I, I was, they said tied down. So I'm picturing her tied to like the wing. 
I'm not really sure if they really tied her down, but that's the, the <laughs> thing that I read to so tie down oh. uh, in a biplane because okay. this is 1913. Okay. So kind of Wright's brother's plane. Right. Um, she was somehow in a, be like an open airplane. Right, um, yeah. Either way, uh, to just drop suffrage leaflets out of the sky and gave a speech when she landed. Oh, wow. Wow. Wow, hon. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, Let's uh, just strap her to the side of a plane and see what happens. Yeah, but they said tied down. Like I was like, what? Yeah. Where did they tie her? Like, I don't know. Uh Lucy Burns, which is Alice yes. Paul's BFF, uh, mm -hmm. rode in a plane with a suffrage banner that broke away in the strong winds and dropped leaflets in 1916 in Seattle. Right. See, that's a and dangerous then, lady with a banner right there when the when the banner breaks off a plane yes. <laughs> and goes colliding who knows where. That's when they're actually dangerous. <laughs> uh, Mrs. John Blair and pilot Lita Richburg Hornsby, a lady pilot, oh. dropped flyers on President Wilson while he was aboard his presidential yacht in 1916 at a ceremony at the Statue of Liberty. Interesting. Wait a second. I like how it comes together. <laughs> so now we get on to trains. Trains. Just in general, that was like the big mode of transportation for all these suffrage associations. We're sending women everywhere by train to go give talks and lectures. Like that's how you travel back in the day, it was train. Um, there was a special suffrage train from the West that arrived in Washington, D.C. in May of 1916. And after they got out of the train, they formed a car procession to the Capitol to petition Congress for suffrage. Uh, the, the Senate recessed to meet with the ladies. Ooh. I was like, oh, wow. Very nice. So on one of these trips where they sent women out, um, Inez Milholland collapsed after giving a speech on the campaign trail in oh. California, her last public words being, Mr. President, how long does women wait for liberty? Ah, that's she your was one of the ladies. pin, too, that yes. you have. Ah, yes. look at that. So the suffrage, that was like their their martyr for a long yeah. time. They had a, like a funeral for her in Washington, D.C., and they they plagued the president with banners with those words on them that they would uh, the silent sentinels in front of the White House. Ooh, this lady died for suffering. <laughs> she had a horse. <laughs> she did, um, and she was only I think thirty. Oh, but she okay. didn't she didn't die of the trip. She yeah. had pernicious in, anemia. Oh, okay. oh wow! It's like a blood thing. Gotcha. Um, but they were thinking that maybe like just the stress of all the traveling like did not help. Probably didn't help, yeah. Yes. Um, starting in Washington, D.C., 26 women who had been in prison for protesting uh, suffrage, like the Silent Sentinels, mm -hmm. boarded a train um, and spoke often wearing their prison uniforms. So ah. they would go out and do these speeches. They'd wear their uniforms on the Algonquin Workhouse. To just be like, look, mm. I've been in prison for this. Mm -hmm. Got no business being in prison for this. Right, exactly. See? Yeah, apparently I wrote down some other notes of some other ladies to look up at the end here. 
You're like, this is some more research. A a note at the end here, though, like after I was, I was watching um, PBS just had American Experience, the vote come out. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was like, like, I love that car trip. Um, But as I was listening to this, I was reminded about how, okay, Elizabeth Cady Stanton is 32 Mm -hmm. during the Seneca Falls Convention in 1848. Right. She meets Susan B. Anthony a short time after that. She's also in her 30s. Mm-hmm. Alice Paul, when she starts, she's, I think, her mid-20s. I think by the parade or by the 20th Amendment, she's like 30. Lucy Burns in her 30s. Uh-huh. A lot of these women, it's just like their whole lives. They're it's not too late, ladies. Right, exactly. <laughs> Go out, change the world. <laughs> Exactly. It's 30s. It's 30s. 30s. Uh-huh. I'm in my 30s. <laughs> it seems to be close to the time where it's like I'm trying to figure out who I am, who I am. And then in the 30s, it's kind of like, I'm going to start doing some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Our existential crises become productive in our 30s, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's about time mm-hmm. to get some action. And then 40s is like, cool. Now I've had it with some of you bitches. So I'm just going to like focus on the things I care about. <laughs> And then from what I hear, because I'm 43, the 50s are just the fuck it 50s, where you just do what you want, when you want, it don't matter anymore, bra off, day off every single day. And I'm like, I can't wait. (laughs) So it sounds like a great pattern. Yeah. Just women getting stuff done in their 30s. Mm -hmm. It seems it's like, yes. (laughs) If it's 40s, 50s, 70s, I don't care. Get it done. I love it. (laughs) Get it done. nothing stopping you really <laughs> i mean except maybe physics <laughs> gravity physics but you know the right. <laughs> what else exactly and then uh do you have anything about bicycles bonnie in your so i didn't even think about all bicycles. I... I know susan b anthony yes. was a big proponent of the bicycle and thought that it would lead to women's independence. Yes, that's all I knew as well. Being independent woman. um, And I know, I don't remember if the war there, I know bloomers were a thing back then. I don't Mm -hmm. know if those were the same pants that they would wear during the bicycle rides. A lot of times, yeah. Susan wore bloomers for a bit when she would Mm -hmm. give speeches, um, but she stopped wearing them because every time she went to make a speech, all they talk about was her bloomers. Mm-hmm. So she stopped wearing them. Yeah. They wouldn't focus on her message. They just focus on her clothes. And she's like, fuck this. That's lame. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was already a very pretty, pretty woman. <laughs> that woman, she, she's a horrible cat. I will found, just say it. <laughs> she's just really bad at she, taking pictures. You can, every sure. single picture I see of her, like the only good picture if I made I've a horror seen movie, of her I is not a picture. Me. It's like a lithograph or something, like the one that's on the coin. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure yeah, it's true. a lithograph and not a picture. Like, right. there's one of her with Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and they're a bit younger. And it's, it looks like her eyes are rolled back in her yeah. head. Yeah. Well, she looks like on, she's dead already. <laughs> yeah, were those on tintype? I don't know if you've ever had like tintype photography done. Yeah, either there has to be an insanely bright light or you have to hold, I don't know. I'm not very- Maybe sad. she moved. Oh. Yeah. What's the terminology for tintype photogenic? I'm whatever it is. Right, exactly. I'm not she's not tinogenic? <laughs> tinogenic, yeah. I'm not tinogenic. I understand, but- <laughs> There's so many of the like, 
all throughout her life. Like I keep finding all these photos and I'm like, not a what good one. is wrong? Like not a single good one. I always have to wonder about the photographer mm-hmm. because if the photographer was a man yeah and he was not liking he was disagreeing oh yeah i kind of wonder if they made the her pictures look bad? were sabotaged <laughs> right you exactly. know what i mean also could be she was not a looker <laughs> and well, the cur- there's that the cartoons there's that it. were made or the illustrations like the court illustrations were made of these suffragists to look very unflattering on purpose. I remember reading about Matilda Gage talking about how she was just insulted and she was complaining about this crazy hat they put on her and she was just completely baffled by how they drew her. (laughs) Wow. Image is everything. But yeah. (laughs) But yeah, her buddy Elizabeth Cady Stanton didn't seem to have that problem. No! Like, there's photos of her everywhere. Exactly. She looks stern and in charge. And be like, look at my crazy friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love them both. I think there's even a picture of her when she's um, young and still teaching before she even went into suffrage stuff. And even that. She looks 82 in that picture. <laughs> I think- like- some of it maybe she might have had deep set eyes i think may have like totally. messed with it or something yeah <sighs> yep <laughs> just saying she never gave me nightmares all the time <laughs> <laughs> well that wraps it up for this week join us next week as our next gal pal shares her one cool suffrage thing as gal guys to- Gal's Guide to the Podcast continues. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gal's Guide patron today. Thanks for listening.